The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. Over the past several weeks, months, we've been discussing elephants, all sides of elephants from Asia to Africa to Zimbabwe to Kenya, you name it, to Mozambique and to Brazil with our recent guests. So today, I'm so glad to have back Johnny Rodriguez, who's in Zimbabwe and the founder of the Zimbabwe Conservation Task Force. And he was the man to first report on the uh, death of Cecil to the international community, where it stayed quiet until it exploded when we found out that the hunter was an American. And then it seemed to gather international media attention like a tidal wave. But coming up in uh, July 30th of 2016 in Washington, D.C., is a rally, uh, a gathering of people who want to change the laws here in the United States and bring attention to what is going on in in Zimbabwe. And that is Cecil 2016 in Washington, D.C. on the 30th of July. And Johnny is going to be there if we can help get him there. So um, I'd like to, without any further ado, introduce Johnny. Welcome back, Johnny. Uh, Good evening, and <laughs> thank you for having me on the program. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little uh, time uh, difference here. It's morning for me, and it's evening for Johnny. So let's start, Johnny, that, um, that you've been invited to do a 30-minute speech at this rally in Washington, D.C., and that it's an opportunity to speak about what is happening in Zimbabwe. Tell us what, you're, what, what you want us to hear and what we could look forward to if we can get you to the Cecil 16 in D.C. Uh, firstly, I'm very honored that I've been invited to come to uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, it is a mission because uh, when Cecil died... And for all the groups around the world that have been trying to fight for these animals uh, to have the right to life. And uh, Cecil didn't die for a reason, he died for a cause. And this is the cause. It's not only about lions, it's about all the wildlife. It's about the whales in the sea, which Mr. Paul Watson is fighting for. You know, there's a lot of issues. And uh, this is a platform to try and educate people and get people to change their views and their ways. 
so that these animals can coexist with us, and especially here in Africa where they're so dear. Uh, it's got a lot of value and it's our heritage and it's a future generation's heritage. So we're trying to preserve it for them and instead of looking at pictures of, of animals that have become extinct. I think you said an important thing, you know, animals coexisting with us. I think they've managed to coexist with us quite well considering all the pressure we put on them. So isn't it more of a question of us learning to coexist with them? Well, it is. The, the biggest thing is that people don't respect the, the boundaries where these animals live in the wild. They've got their own habitat, their own, they've got their own area, and it's the human that's infringing in it, and uh, it has to stop. You know, the, the whole thing is there's territories that these animals should actually live in their own natural habitat, not in zoos or safari parks or, or in circuses, you know, for eye entertainment. Uh, if people want to be entertained, they should come and see them in the wild with their families and see how they socially react, how they live in the wild. It's the most majestic thing you'll ever witness in your life. And this is part of what we're losing with uh, Johnny being at Cecil 2016 and what this program is all about is people learning to coexist and create corridors and space for wildlife to do what it needs to do. So... Um, Let's just get into a few details here. Johnny has his visas for the USA, France, and UK, where he's also been invited to speak publicly on these issues, and that's taking quite a risk for Johnny. He's uh, been a target for 18 years, but he's very outspoken and uh, continues to remain safe. But through this uh, a venue like this program, we are giving him voice. So I really hope listeners will take a chance to get informed either through Facebook or through Google, on what is happening in Zimbabwe. So um, if Johnny can get to, he has his visa for the U.S., for France, and the U.K., but he needs a total of about $5,000. We understand someone has just committed $2,500 toward this cause as a matching grant, but um, if that doesn't have happen to happen, then we need to uh, find this other $2,500. Where can people donate, Johnny? Um, they, we've got a PayPal account, or anybody that wants to get hold of us uh, can contact me at my email address, which is galarand, G-A-L-O-R-A-N-D, at mweb.co.zw. And then we'll give them all the details and where they can actually forward the money to. And then also through your website, zctf.org, yes. correct? And there yes. is a place to donate there. And I yes. know everyone is thinking Zimbabwe is insecure and that there's so much corruption going on. But I want to assure our listeners that these accounts are safe. They're U.S. dollar accounts. And the funds that uh, Johnny receives will be used directly to either uh, get here to the U.S., France, and the U.K. to do his speaking engagements and get on as many national broadcasts in those countries as possible, such as Jimmy Kimmel and Ellen DeGeneres here in the U.S., and, of course, all our news outlets. And uh, the goals for these appearances on national broadcasting is to, hide the, uh, to highlight the needs for um, sort of a three-part 
uh, three-pronged approach of what needs to happen in in Zim. As Johnny and I were talking, one is to ban the um, hunting and trophy hunting, uh, put in a moratorium in place, and change policy. It help us understand a little more of what these three prongs would do to protect wildlife in Zim. These three way uh, prongs is that um, the effect that it's it's got because of the greed and the corruption. You've got the human interfering by coming in, uh, shooting these iconic animals, and removing the uh, the heads or the tusks or whatever, and they mount them, they get taxidermied, and then put them on the wall. Now, they they say the money goes towards the conservation. Firstly, people must understand that 3% of that, say for an example, a hunt is 50,000, 3% of that money goes towards the licensing and the permits that go to national parks. The balance of the money is paid to the landowner. All the landowners are cronies of the political party. Uh, it's not a free enterprise. So the, the safari operators now pay the landowner uh, who hasn't got title deeds, but he's supposed to have a permits and he's supposed to do a count of how many animals they've got and then they get given a quota to say, well, you can shoot so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And that has not been happening because the whole ethics has gone out the window. And the only way to stop it is to bring in these uh, moratoriums because a lot of the species of animals are going to disappear in in our lifetime, and it has to stop. And the only way to do that is to gather people together across the globe to raise awareness of what is happening in in Zimbabwe. I mean, we all hear about it, but being here in the U.S. or the U.K. or Europe, we're rather insulated from this. We do not live with lions in our backyard. So let's uh, get to a little history here. In 1980, uh, Johnny, Africa had 80,000 lions across the continent, the sub-Saharan part of the continent. Now only 15 to 20,000 are left in the wild, and only about 2,000 of those are males. So to understand that, you can, by seeing only 2,000 males, which are the trophy, uh, uh, wanted for trophy because they're beautiful, of course, we're really destroying the uh, population dynamic and the pride dynamic of lions in the wild. So, as Johnny said, the hunting dollars on the ground in Zim is not going into c- conservation. So, tell us what's going on in that, and what you're seeing in terms of land degradation, deforestation. What's happening on the ground that is also contributing to the loss of wildlife in Zimbabwe? The whole thing is the mismanagement, there's no transparency, no accountability. I mean, I don't believe the country's ever actually done an audit, so we don't actually know how many animals we've got. And the the issue here is that if we had to do a proper audit and know how many animals uh, that move from A to B and have a transfrontier where they can cross into other countries and, and all these things where they've got the freedom uh, a lot of things would work, but the issue here is that uh, nobody is actually helping the, the people, uh, alleviating the poverty of those people that live around those rural areas. 
and uh, you know you shoot an animal you only gain fifty million fifty thousand dollars but if that animal had to survive that animal by bringing the tourist in will generate anything above two million dollars in its lifetime so the thing is you know when you're looking for for financial gain that's the quickest way of actually doing it is to kill your animals but then you you actually doing a lot of damage because you interfering with the D, uh, the the genes you actually not being accountable uh, leads to greed and corruption which it's full of so we have to stop all these things and let's do the right thing because uh, these animals belong to to the state they belong to the planet it belongs to everybody we just the, the the guardians and we should be doing our job to make sure that these animals are here for the future generation and the way it's happening any any small kid that is born today is not going to have the chance to see these animals in their own habitat and to see the social life and the beauty about it they can play a very important part in our survival too and that is what we have to recognize Absolutely. As I've always said, you know, wildlife are the architects of our ecosystems. And even though we may not live with an elephant or a lion in the wild, they certainly shape the ecosystem that we do live in planetary-wise. And what happens, make no mistake, what happens in Africa does affect the rest of the world. If Africa loses its wildlife, it loses tourism, which is a hum a humongous part of the incoming dollars. It's a soft export, so to speak. So if there's no wildlife, there's no people to come see it. So where does the money uh, start circling around? Where does it come from? So tourism is a huge part, as Johnny said. It's very important. And also what we realized from all the international global attention that Cecil brought uh, it last year when he was shot, Johnny was the first one to mention Cecil being killed, but it really didn't pick up until, as I said earlier, we found out it was an American hunter. So the majority of trophy hunters, which is not the same as hunting for food to feed, uh, to put meat on the table, this is something for entertainment by wealthy people and high-powered weapons. It's not sport. It's uh, certainly not sporting for the animal. It may be thought of in some way as a sport for the hunter. But if you followed what happened with the Cecil hunt, you realize that it's not really sporting at all. The animal had no chance. True hunting is fair chase. The animal has a chance to get away. So this gets into a little bit of um, some curious goings-on. The <coughs> funding that comes for conservation and so-called research, um, Oxford's Wild Crew, and uh, Brent Steppelkamp, who was one of the outspoken people that was tracking Cecil the lion and was able to confirm that the lion was killed, um, he's now, I understand, resigned from Oxford and Wild Crew. Is that correct? Uh, this is correct. So it's um, a little curious. Uh, the circumstances of that are a little curious, and it leaves us to wonder where Oxford Wild Crew gets their funding because there's two camps, so to speak. Hunting's of lion, hunting of lions is good for conservation, and the other is that lion populations are dropping, especially males, and how can hunting wild lions, uh, who are worth much more, as Johnny just said, alive through uh, 
tourist dollars, how can that be good for lion population numbers increase when it decimates the whole pride structure? So um, tell us a little bit about how all this works, Johnny, and, you know, between the researchers and, because um, Zimbabwe has a lot of incredible people right there, and they don't get the funding and they don't get the money to do this. So where is it going awry? Firstly, you know, a lot of people don't want to deal with, with Zimbabwe because of the corruption and the greed. That's the first thing. Second thing is uh, the ethics is out the window. And uh, then you've got the researchers, which happens all, all, all over Africa, is that you've got the, for an example, Safari Club International, Dallas, and a couple of the other groups who actually finance the research. Now, we find it very strange that, uh, you know, the, the, the perpetrators of the crime are actually financing the research. Why haven't we got uh, a pool where that money goes to and then it can go to the universities or to the researchers? We're not a, against them. We want the research because you can't do a research on a, on, on a lion or an elephant because of the integrate sort of social behavior of these animals. Uh, you can't do research in, in, like, in a zoo. You can't do it in a safari park. You have to go to the habitat. And we don't know enough in this world. We haven't had enough research being done so that we can understand and respect those, those animals because it's, it all plays a part in the cycle of life, in the link, the chain. We call it the chain. Every time a link, an animal becomes extinct, the chain, the chain becomes smaller. And every time more links keep disappearing, eventually the humans will disappear too. And we do need research. Not enough research is being done. And where people get the misconception is that they study an animal in a zoo, but then they think this is the way it is done and it's the same in the wild. It's not. And it's we, the beauty is in the wild. And we learned this from Joyce Poole and Petter Granley in our episode uh, that they just aired a, a couple of weeks ago, that, you know, studying an animal in captivity, what you're going to learn is captive behavior, which is, has nothing whatsoever to do with wild behavior, which Scott Blaze at, uh, in Brazil at the Elephant Sanctuary there highlighted for us too, that when an elephant is taken from captivity and put into sanctuary where it can thrive and make its own choices and is not on display, we learn so much more about elephants. They're still in captivity, but it's sanctuary where they can thrive and they can make their own choices. And that's very critical because in the wild, they make their own choices. So um, part of what you just said that we kind of left out in terms of researchers, um, we often think of researchers as coming from, you know, paid for sources, other, excuse me, NGOs or American universities or British or other uh, universities from around the world. Where are the Zimbabwean researchers and the funding to help them, to help the local people? They, they, the funding, most of the funding comes from, as I said, the, the hunting fraternity. Uh, I mean, you do need hunting to do some controls, a PAC, which is a problem animal if it attacks a human. You do need a hunter. But the, the issue here is that all the research that is being done, uh, Oxford are being financed to do this type of research. 
For an example, in the last six years, we've lost 130 lions, uh, collared lions that we were under research. The researchers never complain, never say anything about it. Now, I believe there's some corruption going on here because it should be accountable, it should be transparent. And when you ask for the data, this, they refuse, you to, refuse to give you the data. And I find that is uh, problematic. Well, the, yeah, it's not transparent. It's not transparent. Now, and we, it goes back we start to saying all sort of questions. I'm sorry, Cecil was one of those lions. Cecil was one of those lions that was under research. Now, how did he get lure out of the, the, the park to be shot? And the researchers are there and nobody did anything. It, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of question marks which I haven't got the answers to. So a lot and of times it's is, information too late. Yeah, information too late. And though at the time when Cecil died, uh, we were busy the whole year from the previous year, 2014, trying to stop the actual export of the baby elephants. And this happened on the 1st of July. And on the 4th of July, the 24 elephants were actually exported as in Zimbabwe. And then we got information from the insiders that Cecil was shot on the 1st. So everybody was focusing because it becomes so tightly secured you can't actually move in that whole park so this is how it all transpired it was so well orchestrated it really it's like going to to a theater and watching somebody play music it's 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 so well planned and there's a lot of question marks and we're trying to stop that and nothing has really been done on the legal side or policy side to change no. what happened well one small change U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, did list the lion, but it's convoluted. It's similar to how elephants are listed. In some places, they're Appendix 1. In other places, they're Appendix 2. In Zimbabwe, per se, they're sanctioned. You can't. Uh, the U.S. cannot bring in any lions from Zimbabwe or any elephants from Zimbabwe due to sanctions going on because of everything Johnny just said, but um, it's still very convoluted. It still means lions can be killed. They added some ra rather confusing language saying, as long as it benefits conservation. But who is making that decision of whether it's benefiting conservation or not? Certainly the hunters are not. They want to go and bag a lion. And um, as we had said earlier, there were 80,000 lions uh, in 1980 and now there's 20,000 we're still hunting them US Fish and Wildlife still allows it CITES stills allows it and we're coming up to a very important uh, CITES convention in South Africa which I'm sure a lot of the focus will be on the trade in rhino horn but listeners as you can see there are a lot of issues elephant trade uh, elephant killing, lion trade, lion killing, lion breeding. So let's get back into that a little bit. You had said, Johnny, yeah. that um, China has an order for 50 lions. Correct. And that, th and that in just the past couple of months, five have been captured? Five. There's one in the actual capture unit. The uh, other five have uh, all of a sudden just mysteriously uh, flown over to China. And uh, you see, the thing is that uh, we must try and understand. Uh, there's a big market now. You've got the trophy hunting on the one side, 
wanting the trophy of the lion and then you've got the Chinese who are paying anything between five thousand and ten thousand dollars per kg for lion bone because they make the, the 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 wine out of the lion bone so the lion is under very big threat at the moment because even your local people are going to kill lion and they're actually going around scavenging for the bone so they can sell it because it fetches a lot of money and this is the type of thing that we're saying that CITES must intervene, put these animals on Appendix 1, the rhino, the pongoline, the, the, the <coughs> elephant and all this. Because, I mean, we've only got 450 elephants left. So when you start looking at all these figures, it becomes quite frightening. And w with the population of lions we've got in this country, now we hear there's a, a conservancy, a rancher, that now... Uh, want to cull 200 lions because the market has been killed. You yeah, know, it, I heard about that it, it, saying it, it, they, they have too many lions and it's on a private ranch and that they twisted this language around saying, oh, we have too many lions now. I think it's 200 lions they want to cull from this uh, private ranch because they set it up as, with taking lions from the wild, purchasing lions, and putting them into a private reserve to attract hunters. Now, with the laws and the sanctions against Zimbabwe, these uh, entrepreneurs of lion business and trade are suddenly financially tanking because of the new laws and the policies that are beginning to change. So that leads us to something else uh, that Johnny and I were talking about, that um, in China... They want to start by bringing the elephants over there and bringing lions and many other species, which Johnny will fill us in. They want to start lion breeding and uh, animal farming, industrialized farming in China, so that they have a, a stock to draw from for the illegal wildlife trade and for their uh, traditional medicinals. Uh, tell us a little more about that. Well, you know, scientifically, all these medicinal uh, property, uh, properties that they talk about uh, doesn't work. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of actually educating the people. And that's what I believe. You know, we can't go and shoot all these evil people, but uh, we can educate. And if we start, it's like a five-year to ten-year investment. You get the results because the, the, the future generation are more aware of the universe than some of the old people that we've got. They're not to blame, they weren't educated. But uh, there must be a way of actually showing them the cruelty and everything that is actually happening at the moment. It has to stop. And uh, we'll have to come up with international policies and international laws where all the countries become signatories to it and they have to be held accountable. So that, you know, we can have a future and we can coexist and respect these animals because they've got the same social life as we do. So what you're saying is, you know, and what this program is about and what so many conservationists are saying, it's not just about loving animals and it's not just about the rights of animals. It's the rights of animals to live in the wild unmolested 
by us so that they can continue to exist and that we can learn to coexist with them. And there's so many proven ways to reduce human-wildlife conflict that are not lethal. So on that note, we're going to take a short break, but stick with us because we have a lot to talk about and the update of the Zimbabwe elephants. So we'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. And welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss with my guest, Johnny Rodriguez, talking to us today from Zimbabwe. Um, he's right outside Harare uh, National, ex- excuse me, Hwangi National Park, where all of this action is taking place, where animals are being removed from the park once they stray into private lands and being shipped off either to trophy hunters or to China. <coughs> excuse me. So that brings us back to last year, actually all the way back to 2012 when uh, elephants were started, young baby elephants all under five years old were captured from the wild, taken from their mothers, taken from their herds and brought to this special boma that, uh, capture boma that Johnny has mentioned. So give us a little of the history on that, Johnny. It started, uh, well, 2010 when they decided to capture baby elephants. Now, the, you know, speaking to the scientists like Joyce Poole and everybody else, the damage that it does, firstly, I'd like to explain that, is that the elephant is the closest social animal there is in this world. They've got the same sort of family ties like a human. Uh, the females all stick together, the aunts, the grannies, the sisters, 
they live together forever. And the, the bulls, when they come to the age of about seven, eight, they are actually chased out and they form a herd of their own. And you've got the senior male who actually disciplines and teaches them everything in life. So then we're virtually more or less like a human. And uh, in 2010, they started capturing baby elephants. They were aged between two and five. Um, quite a few of them, they were order of about uh, 18, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, eight of them were actually exported to China. Seven of them died. There's one of them left. You can actually see the picture of him, but I don't believe he's going to survive. Uh, it's such a traumatic way that they do because they wait around the watering holes where these animals come to drink water. Uh, the fire sh rounds above their heads and chase them with the helicopters. And then the babies that can't keep up, they capture those, put them into a mboma where they keep them for three, four months and then they export it to China. Um, so over everything, the, everything from the get-go of how this is done is it's, highly it's traumatic. It's cruel. It's inhumane. It's, the only thing in, that's not happening yeah. is they're not killing the herd, which is what they used to do 50 to 100 years ago, was kill the whole herd and then take the babies. But the babies are still highly traumatized. As Johnny said, they're, they're really smart animals. They're smart, if not smarter, than we are. And it's amazing that they even continue to forgive us. So um, of those first 18 elephants, um, ZCTF and Elephant Voices did manage to intercept and keep eight from being exported to China, correct? Correct. Eight of them are here in the Mfuruzi, so anybody that wants to see them, they are there. It's in the Mfuruzi uh, Safari Park. Uh, the other eight, the other uh, part of that other order, they went to China and as I said, seven of them died. There's only one left of the eight. And then came to 2013-14, uh, it was in October, September, October of 2014, they started recapturing and this time the water was, was around 36. And they did capture 36, put them in Mboma, they kept them in the Mboma for over a year and these animals were stressed out and when you hear an animal that is stressed the mothers are looking for the for the children and they were coming quite close to the capture unit and screaming trumpeting and the children were their baby calves were actually calling back and it's very hard to actually uh, describe what goes on and anyway one of the babies the very small one I think it was a two-year-old. He died on a Saturday. By Sunday lunchtime, he was already eaten. Uh, the eaten? This whole saga was happening, and it happened right through. And we tried as much as we, we could. We wrote letters to John Ash. We wrote letters to John Scallon. But they didn't believe us. They just said, no, societies have assured us and all that. And before you know it, Cecil died on, on the first and on the fourth, these elephants were actually loaded. Uh, the capture unit people that were there looking after these elephants, two weeks prior to their uh, departure, the Chinese vets came in, they tortured these animals, and I mean, there's still wounds on these animals 
you'll see in Chimalong. They loaded them into crates, took them to the airport here in Harare. Uh, we've got photographs of them loading them onto the plane. The plane sat there for another, well, it only departed at 7 o'clock. So they were loaded up on a Saturday, sat in these trucks overnight to come to, to Harare. Arrived in Harare at half past 8. They loaded the airplane. The airplane didn't leave straight after loading, but it did take a direct route to China. So when you look at all this, and one of them is already dead out of the 24, what chances have we got that these animals are going to survive? And it's all for a show, because a human can actually go and interact. I get close to elephants. I can communicate with elephants. I've got a lot of the elephants that are friends, and they never forget you. So now how can we, as humans, go there, interfere in a social life of an animal like like an elephant i mean it's 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 one of the most majestic animals and why are we sending them to go and face a crime that they never committed all of the crime they committed was just being born in zimbabwe and now they're going to be punished for the rest of their lives in an imprisonment where people can abuse them and actually feed them you know bananas and apples and and uh watermelons you don't get it's that. A life of, of, it's a life of cruelty. We know already with all the laws that are changing about elephants and circuses that they don't belong there. And we know they don't belong in captivity with so many of the experts, uh, Joyce Poole, Cynthia Moss, and Douglas Hamilton. We know how elephants suffer in captivity. So to have this happening in Zimbabwe when it shouldn't be because of corruption and um, backdoor deals between China and the Zimbabwean government where the Zimbabwean people are not involved and don't have a say but are stakeholders because those elephants do belong to Zimbabwe. Um, this is a travesty and it's a travesty being perpetuated by humans. So um, in you you'd said in uh, 24 elephants in July of 2015, which were moved, and we did an episode on that. So please uh, go back and listen to the previous episode with Johnny on this on our wild world. And three of those are still in Zimbabwe. No, three of those, yeah, three of those are still in Zimbabwe with Wild is Life. One died on the journey to China, and 23 are still in Chimlong and not doing well by all accounts. And there was some undercover video footage. Um, made available on YouTube, and Joyce Poole is doing the expert commentary. And none of these elephants are over five years old, and you can see already, um, even without the commentary by Joyce Poole, that these baby elephants are not doing well. So to be um, doomed to a life in a safari park in China, uh, to be bred for ivory or to be bred for wildlife ranches in China, where they don't belong. Um, they're African elephants, not Asian elephants. So it's, it's a travesty that's happening here, and we people can make a difference. Because we also understand that in Chimlong, the elephants, as Johnny said, they're not, their nutritional needs are not being met. Their emotional needs are not being met. Their spatial needs are not being met. They're kept in concrete, uh, caged small units there's water there's a big pool of water nearby but they can't reach it and um, 
as far as I know, they're still using bull hooks and uh, domination, quote unquote, training to get these elephants to conform to being on exhibit. So, uh, Johnny, you had said there was an MOU, a memorandum of understanding between uh, China's government and the Zim government that um, I think you'd said China gave Zimbabwe $2.3 million of equip of equipment to use for the anti-poaching units, but that didn't happen. What was that equipment used for? Uh, that equipment was donated last year to, to the national parks, uh, vehicles like tippers, uh, operation vehicles, um, all sort of equipment which the national parks have and they claim it's to for the anti-poaching and whatever the what amazes me is that uh, all over the country we're getting reports of uh, people being paid by the Chinese you know to go out and kill elephants but they here to do anti-poaching so you know this whole issue is not transparent and most of the time when you want to go into the areas you being banned from actually seeing or taking part to sort of show that the this whole deal that they had, that they're going to assist the Zimbabwean government, I think it's just uh, a hogwash. <laughs> a good word. So in other words, this equipment which Zimbabwe needs, which any African country de needs for anti-poaching and for keeping the the parks, the infrastructure, the roads, um, the, the boreholes, all of this stuff is needed, but it's being misappropriated and actually used much of the time for... Um, uh, Un unreasonable purposes. Unreasonable is, isn't even the right word. It's being used to capture these baby elephants uh, in this deal to send to China. So you'd also said the airport is right next to the capture Boma site and there's uh, very little Zimbabwean influence or participation or access to this Boma site. It's uh, the Zimbabwean uh, staff that ran it, the Zimbabwean vets uh, have been kept out and it's been all replaced with Chinese staff. So basically it's kind of like a secret military site um, run by the Chinese uh, and the Zimbabwean government to keep the Zimbabweans out so that this trade, this nefarious trade that deals with CITES and all the international parties to keep moving baby elephants out of the wild. Um, so, and I think you'd said, Johnny, that there's uh, the Zimbabweans can't find any documentation. There's no transparency for the the movement of these animals, and no documentation of the money that's changing hands. Well, this is the thing: money talks, guilty walks. Uh, even with the lost uh, consignment of elephants, we did manage to get some copies of the uh, the permits. But, you know, they look so fraudulently done, so professionally done that, you know, to try and see who's involved, uh, it needs a proper investigator to come in, you know, the, the site should have been responsible for this, come in and do a thorough investigation and see if the documents were in line because even so, they claim they got paid a million dollars, but when we look at the documents, it was declared at four hundred and twenty thousand dollars. 
Now, none of that benefits the, the local people, which is a worrying thing, and none of that money goes into conservation. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks and not enough answers. That's right, because you can actually, listeners, Google the um, CITES letters written by John Scanlon explaining in a lot of mumbo-jumbo that certain things were done, but it's just wordsmithing. There's a lot of titles to be used, but it doesn't allude at all to the underhandedness, a lack of transparency, and the secretiveness of what's going on. So CITES, as we've been talking about over the past couple of years, is failing. It doesn't have the teeth um, to... Uh, or the, the, the people, because its, opera, its operative word is trade and in wildlife, species of flora and fauna. So, um, Johnny, we were talking about, and many of my other guests we've been talking about, and this is what happened at the Jackson Hole Elephant Summit, that there should be a sister or check and balance organization to CITES that would be a trust to not only hold funds between governments, but to... Put that check or that balance on the check of Zimbabwe's exporting so many species and also that it would hold funds and be a clearinghouse for funds for researchers. How do you envision something like that working? Well, I believe in that because then there's no conflict of interest because everything that you see happening at the moment is in conflict and uh, it, it doesn't take the animal... Uh, benefits out of it, the, the conservation side of it, and it doesn't help the uh, alleviate poverty. So, you know, we need these research to be done. There's, there's lack of it. We haven't got enough information, even today. We've got so many modern-day equipment, and everybody's just making excuses. You know, in Zimbabwe, when you say, are you the one, they deny it. They say, no, I am not the one. And this whole, you know, this whole bunch of mumbo-jumbo has to stop. And this is why we say, if we're going to say, let's stop all the ivory trade, let's stop uh, the trophy hunting, okay, what about the trade of the wildlife? And I believe that we should be lobbying the United Nations to actually come up with a law, appoint somebody to actually get the FBI to investigate all these little problems because when we report them to, to, to people in the CITES, CITES don't care. As long as they make money, why should they worry? They don't care. You know, and this is the issue. So we need is, people to be accountable for what they do. So this is another well, reason why we need to get support to ZCTF, <coughs> Zimbabwe Conservation Trust fund, I believe, force, sorry, task force, um, so that Johnny can get to Washington, D.C. in July for the Cecil 16 rally. Um, some people may call it a protest, but it's not so much a protest as it is a rallying together of all the people that are concerned to stop this trade in wildlife, which leads to international illegal wildlife crime and Zimbabwe is right at the heart of this because of a lot of lawlessness and that the stakeholders people such as Johnny and the local peoples are not benefiting from these huge sums of money that are tra trading hands so in other words you're telling us Johnny we need Africa the nations in Africa particularly wildlife rich nations where these species still 
uh, have range states and population viable population numbers to come up with some sort of a charter with standard operating procedures for export of animals that includes ecotourism, that includes funding, and um, allows for a freedom of speech from Zimbabwean participants. Yes. Uh, you see, the thing is, there's a lot of African countries, Kenya for one, Botswana. There's quite a few countries that have actually got, they are the top. They, 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 they are leading by example. And this is what we need. We need leaders that lead by example, not people that say, hey, I'm a millionaire because I, I've done this and they're not transparent. You know, you, you can be a millionaire. You can't take those monies with you when you die anyway. And what you're leaving behind is some idiots that never worked for it and then they can do what they like. And it's just a continuous sort of problem that keeps on going and then it spreads. It's like a fever. And we have to, to try and turn around this whole issue and educate. I mean, I believe educate, educate, educate. Africa can actually do. But because of these, if you look at further north, all the conflicts, it's all being financed through the ivory trade, through the trade of wildlife. Why aren't we respecting that? The timber. It's all this deforestation. There's so many issues here that all of us as a united front, the whole globe, we can actually make a change without even firing a bullet. We can do it. And this is why it's important that we educate people and we get people on board to say, hey, let's sit down, let's talk about this. We can solve this. This is why we need research. We need the... the, the the, the people that are passionate, the people that, are the scientists, I mean, I respect Joyce Poole very much. She's helped me a hell of a lot in the last 18 years. And I know a lot because of what she's been passing on. And this is what we need. Any researcher that goes out, knows the information, help the other fellow men, because it's the easiest way of spreading that education so that we can coexist. And I loved what you'd said, you know, we can do all this without firing a bullet, which um, just a few weeks ago, I talked with Damien Mander of the International Anti-Poaching Foundation, and he was talking about what they do is just stop the hemorrhaging, and that peace often comes at the end of a barrel. So when did we get from not firing a bullet, sitting down at this table and discussing and finding ways to coexist to a worldwide war on wildlife where people like Damien Mander and militarily trained people are now needed to protect these species. That's a huge shift that's happened in just the last 25 years, people. So it gives you an idea that we really must change. We, people, have created this change to where our wildlife is at risk, and we, people, can create the change through working with uh, people like Johnny Rodriguez and other organizations, many who've, who've been on this program, to stop that mindset and turn it around before it's too late. I do just want to mention quickly, there is a great Facebook page. Um, uh, I, it's got a very long title, but it's Z Zimbabwe Elephants and CITES Permits, and it's run by Sharon Houle, who gives a lot of great information, and I 
totally uh, urge my listeners to go check this out on Facebook because you can see what's happening. She's telling everybody what's happening. And uh, go to Johnny's website, zctf.org. Go to Johnny's Facebook page. Go to um, the Save African Animals CITES permit page. I'm sorry, I don't have the whole title here. Go to my page, Our Wild World, on Facebook. Go to Wild Eyes Foundation Facebook page and listen to this program. We've been talking about this for well over two years now, and it's still going on. So, um, in the end, we've got a few minutes here left. Uh, Zimbabwe does have solutions, and it does have alternatives. It does have a great amount of wildlife researchers, scientists, veterinarians, and veterinarians, and creative thinkers. Why aren't they being sourced and working together with the big organizations such as CITES and UNEP? What do you think keeps that from happening, Johnny? Money. <clears throat> Greed, money. You know, the thing is, when you, when you become the voice of the voiceless, you, you get left out because then they call you a bunny lover and a bunny hugger. and Also, I mean, I've been called all the names under the sun. Because I'm trying to be the voice of the voiceless. And you know, when you take the time to actually understand and learn about these animals, you learn to respect them and you know their boundaries. You, you know, it's the same as a human. If I go to somebody's house, I don't just open the door and walk in. I knock and I say, can I? You know, there's so many things in this world that we are becoming ignorant to. We think we, we own the planet. We don't. We here on Boratown. Let's do the most. Like one person, the one of the ministers actually challenged me on in the newspapers. And he says, I'm a truck driver. And I said, no, I'm not a truck driver. I'm employed by God. I work in God's garden. And, you know, I'm not a holy Joe. I believe. And, you know, th these are the issues. When you start learning, for an example, there's three mammals in this world that actually go into ministerial periods. One is a well which Paul Watson, one of my heroes, he's, he's trying to defend the wells, the killing of the wells. There's the human being, once a month. You've got an elephant, it's the same. Those are the three mammals in this world. And we don't even, majority of the people don't even know. So, you know, the, these are the questions. How come we are not educating our, our, our children, the future? All you see today, you look at the trophy hunters, you see little kids, five-year-olds, holding a rifle. What are, what are we leading this world to? And what's even you know, worse is those, those, you mentioned that, what's even worse is these young kids are laughing while they shoot these animals. There's any number of uh, horrifying videos to watch, if you can stomach it, on uh, Facebook of young people, what we're teaching young people today about living with wildlife, that it's there to be killed and for our entertainment, killing for entertainment and to hang it on a wall rather than leave it alive for uh, many generations to see and to take for one person's ego because they have the money to pay for it. And this is what we're teaching our children. So we have to switch this around, people. As Johnny was saying, we have to reconnect and stop isolating ourselves, especially here in the Western world where we've already killed off most of our megafauna and still kill it off with rogue uh, government agencies like here in the U.S., the Wildlife Services. 
that are responsible for, responsible for killing 24 million Native American animals, including non-targeted and endangered species, along with injuring people and killing pets. This has to stop. And the only way it can stop is if we, everyone on this planet, decides to stand up and be a voice, as Johnny said, for the voiceless. So, um... This brings me, we've got uh, just a little, little teeny time uh, left here. Uh, Johnny, you'd mentioned that Zim has lost 55 million hectares of land to deforestation from a previous 30 million hectares of land and used to be the breadbasket of Africa, but that this land no longer produces enough to feed the nation. So now we add climate shift and drought, and you have natural disasters coming right up the pipeline. (coughs) And now Mugabe wants $1.8 billion U.S. to quote-unquote feed the nation. All the while, he is making big bucks selling Zimbabwe's elephants, lions, and many other species to China. So um, once again, this is the platform you're going to be talking about in July, July 30th, in Washington, D.C., at Cecil 16. So tell us again, we, we need $5,000, right? 2500 yeah. $2, has been committed. Folks, please donate so that we can get Johnny over here to speak at Cecil 2016 in Washington, D.C., which is the seat of American policy, um, so that Johnny can get on the broadcasts in various television networks and news channels to talk the truth of what is really happening in Zimbabwe. <coughs> Excuse me. So, unfortunately, we're out of time today. Uh, any last words for us, Johnny? Yes, there is. There is one thing that people should know the meaning, what STOP means because you know without that a lot of people are going to die for no reason at all you know and I like to say you know God bless America and God bless American people well thank you Um, a lot of us are great We're, we're catching on I do think people are aware of the issues especially since Cecil died in 2015 but they still don't know how to make a difference we have a voice we can use it go to Johnny's website go to his Facebook page donate make this happen what uh, doesn't get used for the Cecil 2016 meeting you can be assured will get used on the ground in uh, in Johnny's organization to continue to protect and fight for wildlife to live free so unfortunately we're out of time today johnny thank you so much thank you very much and i look forward to seeing you in july in washington dc you will you bet you bet so uh until next time and until july uh that's it today for our wild world with my guest johnny rodriguez and this is ellie weiss thank you Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.